what's going on everyone? It's me, Mr. Mario, and welcome back to another episode of Mario's Minute. I'm your host, Mr. Mario 2011, and this is episode 28 for April 2020. This here, in case you do not know, is a podcast that I like to do here on the Mr. Mario 2011 YouTube channel. It's one of two podcasts I do, Mod Chat, in which I kind of just talk about some modding topics that interest me and such, and then Mario's Minute, where I talk about whatever the hell I want to. And I rotate out Mario's Minute. I've successfully been doing this for over a year now at this point, so it is a monthly podcast, and every other month I have a guest on. So last month I had Retro Gaming Arts, which was a really fun episode, and it was uh, seemed like people really enjoyed that, thankfully. Uh, but this is going to be a solo episode, which is all good, because I want to talk with you all about some stuff one-on-one. Now, as I said, this is a podcast, so if you're checking this out on YouTube and you're wanting a actual podcast audio format of this, you can simply look up Mario's Minute on any of your favorite podcasting platforms, and you should hopefully be able to find it on there. Now, this month, we're going to be talking about a few things. I, I don't know how long this is going to go on for. Typically, the solo episodes, I try and cap it around an hour now, and most of the time I fail at that. And uh, it's because one of the topics here I feel like I want to get into a bit. Um, but first of all, there are two things that I want to talk about here. And these are two things that I wanted to discuss on the previous episode. And I did kind of have them lined up, but we just got so wrapped up in our conversation last episode that I totally forgot to bring these two up. And the first one here is going to be a thank you and a shout out. So I want to bring this back two episodes ago. In the February 2020 episode, uh, it's one of those things, look, I really enjoy doing Mario's Minute. Uh, it doesn't get the best viewership out of anything on the channel, uh, but it's one of those things where I really don't do this for the views. I do it for, um, it's kind of just therapeutic, it's enjoyable, and the smaller amount of people who fuck with it really fuck with it and enjoy it, and I thank you all for that if you're here listening to it, uh, because there's, there's nothing really big about this operation here, Mario's Minute. It's just me talking personally about whatever the hell I want to. And it's amazing that, you know, a few hundred people or maybe a thousand people or so want to listen to that. And I really do thank you. Uh, but I had talked in the February episode about some car issues that I was having and kind of just ranting and ranting on there. And I was just saying, you know, I'm just yelling out into the ether. I I'm, you know, yelling out into this microphone. I'm going to put it into a video file and an audio file and put them up into the web ether. And hopefully some people will be entertained. What I was not expecting uh, was some help. <laughs> and there was one person in the comment section there who was giving me, you know, some helpful advice and stuff. And, you know, it kind of gave me some advice on the engine it problem that I was dealing with. Um, and their name is escaping me, unfortunately. But the other person reached out to me on Twitter and color me surprised when I saw this. Um, they go by the username um, S-Y-P-H-E-R underscore M-A-C-H. That's Cypher Mock. Um, I feel comfortable, I guess, saying that because they had publicly uh, contacted me about this. So if it was if it was all private on there, um, I wouldn't. But this is kind of, you know, again, a shout out and a thank you to Cypher Mock about this. So he ended up like this is a few days after, you know, the episode was published and such. Uh, he sent me a tweet and said, Hey, uh, I work on Hyundai's and Kia's. If you have any questions, hit me up. <laughs> 
and because he said, you know, he listened to my most recent podcast and I hit him up. We started DMing and he just was able to, you know, kind of put my mind at ease about some stuff. I was able to ask some dumb questions. He was able to clarify a few different things to me. Uh, and I just want to say again, you know, thank you, Cypher, for helping me out with that. I really appreciate it. My car's in about the same shape as it was before for anybody that does not know or you need a TLDR of it. Um, my car has been consuming oil for the past almost year or so and I've just had to do oil consumption tests on this and it's been annoying because I'm doing my second one right now and because the way the world is right now the coronavirus and all that um, I'm just stuck on that second one because you have to come in right now I have to change my oil every 3,000 miles and every 1,000 miles I have to come in and get my um, oil levels checked and I've come in exactly one time for this oil change and it's probably going to be a while before I come in for my other 1,000 because I, I'm barely driving right now. Um, but again, Cypher was able to answer a bunch of my dumb questions that I might have had. He was able to clarify a few different things to me. And it seems like the garage that he works out of um, seems to operate a bit more stringent. They have some, in my opinion some better um, qualifications and so or not qualifications. They have a better setup. For testing everything because he was saying that things should be tested sooner than a thousand miles and I said that'd be nice but I'm I'm not getting that that's not what's happening at with the service center I'm going to unfortunately uh, but either way you know this is your shout out two months late but thank you so much cypher I really appreciate the help on there and the other thing that I want to talk about which it's funny because again I actually did want to talk about this on the last episode and I even brought it up to Paul and it just didn't come up in our conversation which I think was fine on there, uh, but this is going to be in regards to the coronavirus, in regards to, uh, you know, all the self-quarantine and everything that's going on here, so I, I just wanted to talk about that, I want to talk about my experience so far, and maybe we can all, you know, share and talk about that here in the comment section on the YouTube upload, uh, just because this is one of those things where this is affecting every single person in some way, shape, form, or capacity, Every single person is impacted by this, and people are going to be impacted in different ways. Uh, but I think this is one of the few times in the world where we can uniquely share something all together. <laughs> so, first of all, if you are listening to this, I hope you're doing well. I hope you're safe. I hope you're not sick. I hope you are practicing the proper precautions that are going to be needed. You know, just at minimum, washing your damn hands, not touching your face, trying to stay inside, social distance, all that. I've been doing well, thankfully. I've been doing okay with that. Uh, for anybody that doesn't know, uh, I work in tech, and thankfully my job is set up so that we're able to go remote. So I've been working remotely for over a month now at this point. Uh, we were prepared to have that switch, and I didn't really think it would get to this point here. Now, I had first heard of the coronavirus myself back in like February or so, like many other people did. And it was starting to get a little more serious. And then when it started, you know, jumping borders from, you know, China to the U.S. And we started seeing more things here. That's why I started getting a little bit more worried. So I remember even in regards to that, like at the end of February and even early March, um, I am not afraid to say <laughs> I the coronavirus made me get a Costco membership. Uh, I had been wanting one for a while, but because of what was going down and such, I said, you know what? Uh, let me stock up on some food. Let me get a few other things taken care of. So 
the first time we had really shopped, I mean, we went multiple times that week and I remember, but the first time I was really kind of serious about it, I said, you know what, uh, let's buy enough food for two or three weeks. Typically, I like to do that. I like to buy like a week or two worth of food, something like that. And my girlfriend will even be about the same way, maybe even a little bit more conservative. Uh, but I said, you know what, let's go ahead and, you know, brace for that. Let's see what we can do. And right about at the end of those two weeks or so, that's when it was announced like, hey, things are getting shut down. Things are getting essential only. Uh, any type of school related stuff, that's all going to be online. Any grade, it's K through 12, college, master's, PhD stuff. All that stuff is going to be online. You know, a lot of places started doing work from home options and such. So it was around that time, that's when that was about two weeks after, you know, I bought like the first cache of food and I was still doing well enough on there, but it was right before I did my cutover to working from home. I had said, you know what, let's go, let's buy stuff. We're going to buy about a month worth of food. Um, let's just make an assumption here. Let, let's assume the worst and say, let's buy whatever we can right now. And imagine we can't buy anything for one month. And that's that's lasted us over that time, I'd certainly say. We did go back about three, three and a half weeks later just to restock on more food and such. But right now, my goal has been to just do my grocery shopping once a month. Leave it at that. And really, it's been mostly Costco. I did have to go to Target to get a few smaller things. And I'll say, like, my local Costco has been stocked super well. Uh, thankfully, we we were not the people who were hoarding toilet paper, tape, paper towels, or doing any of that stuff. Uh, we don't really use paper towels all that often. And then toilet paper, I'll buy, like, a box of toilet paper from Amazon once a year because that's all I need. Like, if I buy... A, you know, a cash of it from Amazon, it can last me a year, year and a half. Uh, we are fine when it comes to toilet paper, thankfully. But we ended up going to, what was it? Yeah, we went to Costco and we didn't have to go early or anything. I think we went at like 12 or one in the afternoon, something along those lines. That is certainly the time I can recommend to go just because there are a lot of people like, look, if there's, if there's a hot item that you really need, I understand waking up early in the morning, getting there an hour, hour and a half before they open waiting in line and such. Uh, but if you're just doing general shopping and there's no high demand item that you absolutely need, you can go in the afternoon. At that point, the morning rush has already come. They filtered out. They've done their own thing. And the only people who are really going in the afternoon are people who are not emergency or panic buying. They're just, you know, buying whatever they need on here. So, I don't know. It's, <laughs> I think I'm going to be jumping all over the place in regards to this topic here. But, man, this is something I never would have imagined living through on here. Um, it's something I don't think anybody else has really experienced. I've actually talked with other people who, you know, they've they've grown up in war-torn countries, they've gone through rationing and such, and they said, yeah, a lot of this stuff, it, it's, it's flashbacks, like back to those times when they had to ration things, for example. You know, I knew of someone who they ended up getting, they were going to a grocery store where you could only get, uh, I think per purchase, you could only get 
one gallon of milk. So they ended up buying two gallons of milk and they got one taken away. They couldn't buy it. They couldn't pay for it, of course, but they had two in their uh, in their cart and one of them got taken away and there was no big deal from it because at that time that was still kind of early. They had just put that limitation in place, but they didn't really have a proper, you know, setup or security or even really signs annotating that, uh, which they end up fixing immediately after. But yeah, it was just the, the person I was talking to, they said, yeah, I, that happened to me. And I was just like, holy shit, this is ha like how I grew up when we had limitations on how many things we could buy and what we could ration and such overseas. Um, <laughs> so I feel like there's a lot of, you know, older people or even people who just grew up in situations like that overseas who are now kind of dealing with that in a little way in a little bit. And for them, this is going to be easier because the difference is back then, you know, it was it was it was required to ration. It was required to like the, the, the supplies just really weren't available. But at this point now, we have all the supplies, we have all the things, we just have a ton of people who are panic buying, and the supply chain is what can't really keep up right now, and I, I, and I really hope that the supply chain will still stay replenished enough, but I mean, everything is being impacted at this point. I mean, of, of course, toilet paper, we've seen that. Um, as I said, you know, there's limitations on dairy. There's limitations on eggs, which technically counts as dairy. There's limitations on, you know, things that you can buy at these places, just general places like, I don't know, a Kroger or a Target or a Walmart, something like that. I notice, um, and this is what I've recommended to people, like some of my friends, I said, you know, you should go to a wholesaler, go to BJ's, go to Sam's Club, go to Costco, because yeah, they're putting limits on things, but for example, one of the things I saw was like, there was a limit on dog food at my Costco, but it was a limit of five bags, and it's like, okay... <laughs> You're probably not going to need more than five giant 40-pound bags of dog food. You probably don't need more than that at one time, but the limitation is there. Or, um, let's see, like bottled water, for example. I think my local Costco, they were doing, you could do two or three packs of bottled water uh, per purchase. Uh, there were other items, I think like toilet paper, paper towels, there was one or two per person, something along those lines. I really haven't tried to brave, you know, the the other stores for that just because thankfully I don't really need it. Um, but for, you know, some smaller things, like for example, um, just like little medicines and such, just over-the-counter things the Costco didn't have, I had to go to a Target. We went there right after and the shelves were barren, like no soup, no spaghetti, no pasta, like all the basic stuff was just gone. And I had not seen that before, aside from, you know, like emergency times, there was, you know, tornadoes or anything else that was going on in regards to the weather. But, you know, kind of even going back to this where I said that everything, there's kind of a shortage of everything. It's been it. I've been, I guess, more focused on the tech sphere of it, but it's really been interesting to see that because you have not only groceries and such, but now there's more people who are staying at home. Of course, like most people are going to have to stay at home. They need something to do at home, which is totally understandable. So now for the first time in a while, it's really hard to get a hold of certain video games. If you don't have, it's almost like 2005, 2006 in a way. Even if you pre-order a game, there might not be a guarantee that you're going to get it. And I say that because I remember like when I had San Andreas, that was it. I had Grand Theft Auto San Andreas pre-ordered. Had, you know, my $5 down, guaranteed a copy and such, 
But I remember the day it came out, GameStop had called up my dad because they had his number for my pre-order, and they said, hey, so even though you pre-ordered Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, there was something wrong at the pressing plant, and we didn't get enough copies because some of the copies were bad. So you still have your pre-order, but today, if you want it today, it's first come, first serve. And if you come here and we run out of pre-orders, yours is still guaranteed to come, but you have to wait until the next shipment. So that's kind of where it's at right now. I know computer parts and such, it's really expensive to buy computer parts right now. All those are going up because you have people who they need to repair things or they might finally want to build a PC or they might want to do anything else. One of the things that I had listed here, which I, I thought was really interesting, was uh, Wii's. Apparently, Wii consoles, like the console that came out in 2006, those have been going back up in price because there's a lot of people, they want to get a hold of a Wii. They might want to play Wii Fit. They might want to play any of the other great first-party titles that are available on the Wii. They just want to have that, which to me is a little bit surprising because the Wii is one of the best-selling consoles ever. And I mean, it's one of those where everybody has one. Everybody's sister has one. Everybody's mother has one. One of my friends who his his mom's not even a gamer, like around the time the Wii was hot, she had seen a Wii online and bought it. And I don't even think she ever used it. So my friend's mom had a brand new inbox Wii sitting somewhere in her closet. The point is you can just, you can sneeze. And please don't because, you know, we're trying not to spread this disease around here. But you, you could sneeze and some of your snot driblets are going to probably hit a Wii somewhere. <laughs> so Wii consoles have been going up in price. One thing that I've, indulged in here has been um you know ring fit adventure and i had kind of gotten this idea i i bought it before so i bought it as a christmas present to myself last year but i had gotten the idea to pick it back up because apparently in south korea where i think they've been handling you know the coronavirus and such exceptionally well there um switches were completely sold out and that's that's probably the big tech item right now that you cannot find a switch like nobody has switches for sale at the moment and the people who are selling them i mean you can get a premium right now but it's really hard to get a hold of one so supply chain for everything has just been real messed up but in south korea uh switches have really skyrocketed like right around the time when self-quarantining was being pushed and such switch sales skyrocketed and you couldn't find any and a lot of people are saying, oh, this is this is smart. You know, a lot of families, a lot of people want some entertainment at home and Animal Crossing is going to be coming out here soon. That was, you know, about mid-August or so. And there were some people who had said, actually, it's not just Animal Crossing and it's not just a Pokemon. A lot of people in South Korea are actually buying Switches because they're buying Ring Fit Adventure. Because one of the things with this is, we're not allowed to go to the gym because all the gyms are closed. We're supposed to be self-quarantining. So people need a way to work out at home. So a lot of people are buying switches with Ring Fit Adventure, which is a ingenious idea. Uh, if you ever see Ring Fit Adventure, it might seem like a gimmicky, stupid type game. Dude, that thing is a workout. I'm going to tell you that. That thing is a workout. So I've actually kind of copied that idea right after I saw it. I said, you know what? I'm, I'm going to actually use my Ring Fit Adventure. And I've been using it several times a week just because I'm in the same situation. Uh, aside from taking my dog Lily on a walk one or two times a day, um, 
I'm not really getting any exercise. So Ring Fit Adventure has been super helpful with that. Even just playing it for 20, 30 minutes, work up a little bit of a sweat, get your heart rate up, you get sore. It's It's been great. So if I haven't looked up anything with Ring Fit Adventure to see in stock or anything because I got my copy and I was happy several months ago. And even then it was a little bit difficult to get a hold of one. But I'm sure that thing is near impossible to find as well too. So either way, kind of going back to, you know, the self-quarantine and such, it's been just over a month that I've been working from home. And I have to say, I've been, uh, I've been surprised, um, with first of all, with how comfortable I've been at home. Uh, I have worked at home many times before, but I've very much been the type of person I am all for having the option to work from home. I am really all for that option. I'm very positive about that. I think that is the way of the future. And I think, you know, jobs, if if it's available, they should at least give you the option to work from home. There are some, I understand, you can't work from home. Like any type of, you know, trade jobs, or if, let's say you're a lineman, for example, or you're a welder, you can't, you cannot work from home. You can't. <laughs> so, I understand with that, but in regards to, you know, the tech field especially, I think there should be more options to work from home, and there's already plenty of them there, but I've been the type of person, I can't work from home for more than two, three days at a time, or else I start to feel, I start to get cabin fever, which is why I'm absolutely shocked that I've been doing this for over a month now, and I have not felt cabin fever, um, and I think a lot of it is because everybody's in the situation. So for example, um, the company I'm with, my entire company is working from home. Um, my team is all working from home. And I think that was a big thing when let's say you have a team of 40 people and they're all in the office and there's two people who are working from home. Those two people are kind of going to feel like, and even if, if I'm in their shoes, let's say I'm one of those two people. I personally feel like I'm on an Island. Yeah, I can, you know, I, I can communicate with my coworkers just fine, but there's something so different uh, in terms of messaging a coworker or emailing a coworker versus just, you know, poking your head up and, you know, throwing something at them or saying, hey, you, I have a question. Something's so different with that. And I, I feel like, you know, kind of like I'm on an island and can be kind of forgotten pretty easily simply because I'm not in the office and everyone else is. And I understand that. I'm not really blaming anyone there. I totally understand it. And it makes sense. It's just, you know, the perception of it all. If this person is physically not here, then they're not here. Oh, hey, they messaged me. Okay, so they're here. Never mind. They're actually working. That's just how it goes. However, at this point, because everybody is working from home and nobody is in the office, it's a completely level playing field. So communication has actually been pretty solid because we all have to communicate with one another. We all are in the same position. We're all in the same boat. At this point, we just, we're like, it's like we're an animal crossing. We're all on our own islands and we're flying to everyone's islands. So I think that's been really good in, in regards to that. I personally, I'm not in school. I, like the last thing I did, you know, I got my four-year bachelor's degree. That's what I did, you know, a few years ago. So I've been done with that. Um, I'm not sure how it is in regards to actually taking classes online and doing that stuff. With some of the things I had heard from, you know, people who are actually in the elementary school system, and by that I mean, you know, at, is, yeah, I guess primary and secondary school, that'd be better because these are people who, you know, they're anywhere from, 
I've talked with family members and such who are in, you know, middle school, high school, just all over the place. And depending on where you're at, I guess, and what grade, uh, some people are saying, yeah, it's, it's pretty easy to do. It works out well enough. And I've also heard people say, yeah, ever since we switched to online school, we're getting three or four times the amount of homework and work that we normally get. So I'd be interested in hearing how that's kind of been working across the board. Uh, I have two brothers that are in school right now. From what I know, one of them, he said it all seems to be fine with him. The other one seems to be getting a lot more work than before. So I'm not sure how that all is going for everyone else on there. But I think I've been pretty positive about this just because that's kind of how my outlook has been. I understand there's people getting sick. I understand there's a lot of bad stuff that's going on with this. This is not a vacation for everyone. There's a lot of people who still have to be out there on the front lines. There's people who are working in medical. There's people who, you know, especially retail employees. Like, that's been, some companies have handled it absolutely terribly in regards to, you know, like GameStop and Lowe's especially and so many other retail shops. There, there's a lot of negativity, I guess, and I really haven't been as focused on that um, just because I'm trying to have, you know, I, I think of myself as a pretty positive person. I try and have a bit of a positive outlook. And on top of that, it's been one of those other things as well, too. I really haven't, if, if anybody's noticed this, I really haven't integrated coronavirus talk into my content at all. Um, the exceptions are Mario's Minute here because this is something where I talk about whatever the hell I want to. I can get a little bit personal. And if I want to talk about my experiences with the coronavirus, something that's commonly going on, I'm going to talk about that. The other exception has been Mod Chat. Uh, Mod Chat, I've brought it up in a newsworthy fashion. Uh, just do the fact that on there, even in regards to the modding community, if there are certain modifications, certain developments that you're looking forward to, some of that stuff has hit roadblocks because of the coronavirus. So I'm more reporting that in a newsworthy fashion, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But for my core content, for my tutorials, my regular videos that I'm uploading on Saturdays and such... I've been trying to, and I've been very successful with this. Uh, I have not been including anything, like no jokes, no references, nothing in regards to coronavirus on any of those videos, because I feel like I need to provide some escapism for people at the same time. Like, for, first of all, just the basis of it. Look, if you're if you're looking up a video in regards to how to jailbreak a PS3 or how to modify a PSP or any other system. There doesn't need to be any reference to coronavirus in there, alright? There, there doesn't need to be. There just, there simply does not need to be. But in regards to that as well, too, even if it's not a tutorial, tutorial, even if it's just a regular video of some kind, I've realized that now there's more people than ever staying at home. They want to be entertained. They want to be learning something. They want to watch something on YouTube. And whatever I can do with with my audience that I have and, you know, do with my own part what I can on here, I would like to have my channel for the most part be kind of a haven where if you just want to come here, you want to learn about some stuff, you want to be entertained with some modding and all that, and you don't want to hear about or deal with the coronavirus aside from, of course, you know, newsworthy stuff on Mod Chat and this episode of Mario's Minute, I want to be a person who will help provide that. I'm not going to pretend that it's not existing. I just want to provide some escapism through a video that can entertain and educate people. And that's 
that's my thing. That's what I'm trying to do on there. I think <laughs> in regards to that, though, one of the things I have seen that's been kind of just a common occurrence throughout the internet overall, because everyone's communicating on the internet, everybody has to be online now, there's more people online than ever than we've ever seen on this, there's something that I've been seeing, there's been a bit of a phenomenon, and it's it's typically, I will see this happen, I, I always see this happen, all right, I, I my channel, it's, you know, it's a good size, I'd say that, I get a lot of comments, I see this happen, people just asking dumb or self-explanatory questions <laughs> and typically it will spike up during summertime because obviously there's a lot of kids who are out of school and such they're going to be spending more time online and they might be asking dumb questions and for anybody who thinks that I might be a little bit too critical on there or I'm being mean look there's like <laughs> there's stuff where people will ask like, I will say very clearly, this is what you need in order to do this. And they'll ask, do I need this or does this work? And they'll ask things that I very clearly state within the first minute or two of a video. And I'll also put them in the description as well. Because a lot of people will say, well, I don't understand English very well. I say, that's fine. You seem to be typing and reading in English. Everything's explained in the description as well, too. Okay, not everybody reads the description. Well, it's in the title. <laughs> I'll have people that ask me questions that are directly answered in the title. You don't even have to read the, like, you don't have to read the description. You don't have to read the tags. You don't have to watch a single second of the video. Your answer that you're looking for is within the title of the video. It's just, it's a lot of self-explanatory stuff like that. And I've been seeing a lot more just bad questions, bad decision making, and self-explanatory things cropping up in in the past month or so and i think it's just from everybody staying at home maybe people aren't utilizing their critical thinking skills as much and i've been calling this i was calling it corona brain at first but i did think of it and i was like no no that should be maybe i had my own moment there but i said i should call it quarantine brain or quarantine brain so quarantine brain that's what i'm going to refer to it on here but it's just been little things like that <laughs> So, people asking silly questions, or people doing certain things that they shouldn't be doing on here, or what have you. I've been seeing a lot more of it. I've been seeing a lot more, and it's been, um, how is it? I've had, you know, I've had friends ask me questions. I've had, I've, I've seen every single aspect. I've seen it in my professional life. I've seen it on my online life. I've seen it in my personal life, <laughs> and I, I think it's just been. I think it is a real thing, although I'm joking about it, I think it is a real thing here with people just being inside, they're not stimulating certain parts of their brain that they regularly would with either, you know, interaction or going outside or what have you, because anything you do, it's going to, you know, manipulate and stimulate certain parts of your brain, that's why socializing is going to be real important, that's why going outside, doing certain things is going to be real important, and traveling that's another thing you know if people well, nobody's traveling right now you shouldn't be traveling nobody's traveling at the moment but i'm just seeing more and more questionable logic at times and even sometimes just attitudes as well too i, I did want to bring this up so this is actually an example where my girlfriend had dealt with this and she was just buying something online so she bought something and totally understand online sellers 
they're seeing, you know, they're, they're really struggling in regards to uh, having more sales than ever before, but then maybe being limited on their sales because even though they can sell more stuff than they ever have, they might not be able to get the actual products they need to sell. Things are getting messed up. Look, I, I just I just had that thing happen. I ordered a Xbox One X power supply to repair a friend's system here. I, I'll talk about that in a separate video. But I ordered a power supply and I got a... USB 2.0 extension cable, and I'm just like, what the, I, I don't, this is like 2007, this is like a product from 2007, I've, I've never needed one of these, what the hell, completely different, and that did get situated, I contacted the seller, I said, dude, this is not what I ordered at all, and he said, yep, 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 here, sending this out, I don't know what happened, they sent it out very fast, though, to their credit, both of them, so I got both this useless cable that I don't really need and whenever thrift stores open again, I'll probably donate it. And I got the power supply in record time, but just things like that have been happening as well. Now, this was going back to, you know, what had happened. My girlfriend ended up purchasing something online and they said it was going to be shipped out on Friday. Cool. She waited, she waited, she waited. Uh, so I think it was on Monday, she messaged the seller and she said here, hello, why has my order not shipped? It says it was scheduled to ship a few days ago. Would appreciate an update. Thank you. So, very matter of fact. And now, I understand, let's, let's you know, look at the seller here. The seller is probably stressed out, swamped, probably gets 20 messages like this every day. I understand. But looking at this objectively here, my girlfriend, I, I feel like, you know, she's waiting an appropriate amount of time. This item was supposed to be not delivered. It was supposed to be sent out three days prior to her sending this message. She was polite. Very matter of fact. No attitude there from what I'm seeing. So within about 15 minutes, she got a response from the seller. And I I'm going to read this verbatim because there are several different grammatical mistakes and such and spelling mistakes on here. But the seller said, hello, why? We are all trying to work through this and keep our employees safe as best we can. We are working on a short crew and shipping out ASAP. We will cancel your order and refund your purchase. So my girlfriend replied to that and said, that's not necessary. I only wanted an update on the order. But right after she sent that message, she got notified that the order was canceled and her money was sent back. So I think this seller just had a, a big quarantine brain bruh moment here. And what I'm thinking, uh, going into their shoes, I think that the seller just got so flustered and so stressed seeing this, they didn't think rationally, they thought emotionally. So this is probably the 20th message they got about this. And they got super annoyed and probably saw, you know, they might have seen my girlfriend's message as rude or condescending or something. And, you know, matter-of-factly on there, it's it's not. Objectively, it's not. She was just asking for a status on there. But because of that, the seller got real emotional in their feelings, messaged back, thought through this emotionally. So they said, you know, I'm going to fire off this message. I'm really pissed. And I'm going to cancel your order. How about that? Now, nobody's really losing here aside from the seller. Because... My girlfriend got a notification shortly after that also saying that the order was shipped out. And even a, a day later, a day or two later, the message the, the seller messaged back saying, Hello, sorry about the delay on your order. 
we will get this shipped out today. So the seller still shipped out this order despite canceling it and refunding her. And, and I mean, best case scenario, my girlfriend gets a free item. Worst case scenario, she gets her money back and no item. I mean, she's gotten the item at this point. But things like this, I, I even said, you know, when I saw that original message before the, the item was even sent out, I just told her, I said, you know what? Hey, best case scenario, you get a free item. Worst case, you get your money back. Either way, I would not recommend you buy from these people again if this is how they're going to act. So I don't get this because they just straight up lost money here because of a quarantine brain decision. I don't I don't know. I I don't know. <laughs> I understand this is stressful for a lot of people, especially sellers and such, but again, it's just been, it's been things like that that I've been seeing where I'm like, you know what, if you just, if you sit and think about it, or even, you know, here's another thing with messages, and this is not just if you're a seller, this is if you're anyone else on here. Messages, for the most part, are really not time-sensitive. Yes, there are some time-sensitive messages, but there would have been nothing wrong if the seller looked at this message, got flustered, put their phone down, and came back to it the next day. There wouldn't have been an issue there. They probably would have thought much more rationally, and they probably would have just sent out, you know, that message that said, sorry for the de delay on your order, we'll get it shipped out today. As opposed to getting mad and saying, we're working our hardest on here, everyone is stressed out, you know what, I'm just going to cancel and refund your order, bye. And then sending it out. Like, it's cool, again, it's cool the seller did send it out, but even with the way they were acting there, I kind of said, you know what, don't don't buy from them again if this is how they're going to be acting. So I don't know if anybody else has any situations that have come up like that, but let me know if there's been anything in regards to that. <laughs> I think the last thing I, I want to leave off on here was I was talking with a family member, and they had said they had a Discord account. <laughs> And this is an older family member, mind you, but my jaw just dropped and I had to have them repeat it. I was like, wait, what? And they were saying, yeah, no, we've had to use, you know, because of, you know, all this work from home and such, we've had to use all these different applications. We've had to use Teams. We've had to use this. We've had to use Zoom. We've had to use Discord. And I was like, wait, what, what are you talking about? And they started laughing because I was getting all excited about it. And I said, no, this is exciting. I, I'm just mind blown that you have to use Discord. But this is really exciting because Discord was primarily created, you know, for gamers. And it was supposed to be well optimized for that. And if it's at the point where you are using Discord to communicate for school related things, that's huge to me. So... I don't know, it's been <laughs> people I never ever expected would make a Discord account or be anywhere close to gaming are now in that. And that's been, that at least puts a smile on my face in regards to all of this. But, you know, kind of wrapping up the quarantine and, you know, coronavirus talk, COVID-19 talk, like, look, we're all going to get through this as best we can. I understand it's going to be harder for, you know, some than others, depending on your situation and such. Uh, if you're going through some hard times, I really hope they get resolved, whether it be financially, emotionally, what have you on there. Uh, this is going to be tough for a lot of people. But I think on the flip side, we are going to see some benefits come out of this. I think online schooling options are going to be pushed a lot more. I think work from home options are going to be pushed a lot more. I think telehealth is really going to explode after this, explode in a good way. Uh, just do the fact that 
right now, I mean, we're forced to do some of this stuff. Like, you know, if, if you don't like online classes, tough. You got to do online stuff. If you don't like working from home at your current job, tough. You got to work from home or else you got to find another job right now. And even the telehealth stuff. I know some some doctors and such, they're depending on what you have, unless it's an emergency, like a physical emergency, they will not see you. Uh, I actually had a doctor's appointment here pretty, I know I'm going a little bit over on this, but point is I had a doctor's appointment here recently in the midst of all this. And I decided to physically go. It, it was nothing threatening. It was, you know, it was just a checkup if anything, but when they called me, they asked if they could move my appointment a little bit forward to get me in earlier, but they were even just, you know, asking about telehealth and they didn't even give the option. They're just like, okay, well, how about we do this over the telephone or, you know, do it remotely. And I asked, I had to ask and ask like, Hey, can I come in and do this? They said, yeah, yeah, no, that's fine. If you really want to come in, sure. But here we got to ask you a bunch of questions. And they asked me on the phone, you know, several questions like, have you had diarrhea? Have you been running a fever? Have you traveled to these places? And then the next day when I came in, I had to answer the same questions with the same answers. Uh, so they did take a ton of precautions. And I think that's going to be another thing too. I think pe I really hope people and businesses are going to be a lot more cleanly after all this blows over, a lot cleaner than ever before. Because man, I will tell you, I think I've ranted about this before. I've brought it up on Mach. I brought up on a few other things. You know, I've seen the, the number of this uh, of people who do this should be zero but i've seen too many people in public not recently because you know i've been at home but I, in public i've seen too many people who will use the bathroom and not wash their hands and not use hand sanitizer afterwards like they'll go it, it doesn't matter what you're doing you know if if you're peeing or you're taking a dump the second one is the worst they'll go into a stall i hear it the toilet flushes and they just waddle out of the bathroom like nothing happened that that should that should never never happen but i really hope that dramatically decreases once all of this blows over and we use this as a learning opportunity so again i'm i'm looking i'm looking more on the positive side of it all but you know it is what it is on here all right so this is something that i've started trying to integrate in here I started this on my February episode, and I think I'm going to continue to do this uh, on my solo episodes. No guarantee I can really do it on a guest episode, just because it kind of it's kind of hard to shoehorn in. Like, oh hey, let me tell this story about myself for ten or fifteen minutes. You know, uh, kind of also seems a little disrespectful to the guest. But I'm going to try and do this. Whenever I have a solo episode, I'm going to try and tell a story from when I worked at a game store. So in case you do not know, when I was in high school from ages 16 to 18, I was working at a local video game store. Um, it, it taught me a whole lot. It taught me that I'm definitely an introvert. Uh, it taught me a lot about customer service. It taught me that respect your damn service people, respect people who work in retail, all that stuff. But I'm going to try and tell, you know, at least one story each of these solo episodes. And because there's something else I really want to talk about here, um, I'm only going to be sharing one story. And it's going to be, let's see, which one do I want to share? I have, I have a list of three right here and I need to pick one. You know what? I, I'm going to pick, I'm going to pick this one. I'm going to talk about this kid who kept scratching up discs. There we go. So there we decided. So... This was technically after I was working at the game shop. Now, 
when I had left, this is after high school, uh, during breaks, there'd be a lot of times I would, you know, go and just hang out there because I, I was still friends with all of the people who worked there. They let me in the back. I was able to do whatever the hell I wanted to for the most part. I got my discounts. I just liked hanging out there and talking with everyone. And they let me loiter because, you know, I, I was, they all liked me, thankfully. So it was all good. But there was one person who... Let's bring it back a little bit. At our store, we had a disc resurfacer, which allowed us to repair disc-based media. So if you have scratches on the bottom of a disc, what we would do is we would essentially polish the hell out of it, which would remove and kind of smooth the bottom of the disc, like a small layer of it. And it would smooth it out to the point where any scratches on there would be removed. So once you polished it all nice, and it just took a few minutes, it took like two or three minutes per disc, something like that, you'd have a perfectly working disc again. And it worked for super scratched up games, it worked for, you know, moderate scratches. Uh, one that was real popular, the three, the Xbox 360 games, they would get that perfect circular scratch around them. Yeah, our machines buffed those out. So people would come in, pay us three bucks a disc, we would repair them, give them back their game. It all worked out. So... What happened was there were several times throughout the time of, you know, the shop being alive is there were times where the disc resurfacer, we, we didn't have certain parts or we didn't have enough of the liquid or uh, what have you, or it was just broken. That happened as well, too. We had two shops. Each of them had a disc resurfacer and sometimes they'd be broken. Unfortunately, it just it, it was a fact of life. It happened. So at one point, our shop that had the most traffic going to it the disc resurfacer was broken. It was out of commission for like two or three weeks. And oh my God, it, it was it was awful when that would happen because you would just have stacks and stacks and stacks and stacks of new media that was coming in. And a lot of it was good stuff, but it was so scratched up we couldn't put it out. You know, everything had to look pretty much new, at least on the disc. So anything that was like lightly dirty, we'd clean up. Anything that had a light scratch, we'd put it out there. Anything that looked new, we'd put it out there. But anything that had, you know, a decent amount of scratches, we would not put it out until we resurfaced the disc. So what happened was, again, this was also a uh, a paid service. So if you had if you had a disc that had scratches, you could bring it in, $2.99, we'd fix up, $2.99 per disc, we'd fix it up and give it back to you. Very popular service. And because of that, we were also pretty well known in the area as well too, to the point where there was a GameStop that was down the street, and we were great friends with the staff there. Um, that was one of those things, you would think that all these game shops are competing with one another, and there was one that we did have beef with, but aside from that, all the others, like, we were all intertwined, we were all cool with each other, and this GameStop, the assistant manager there, one of the coolest dudes ever, he pushed so much traffic our way, because, for example, um, we we took anything that was older. So if people came in with a stack of Xbox, PS2, PS1 games, he would say, oh, uh, we don't take those, but this other game store will take them if you go over there. Um, if there was some stuff that was way too scratched up, hey, we don't fix up discs, but this game store will take them. Almost anything on a cartridge, you know, hey, we don't take these, but this game store will take them. So he pushed a lot of traffic our way. We were always super thankful for that. And we, we you know, we had each other's backs on there. So what ended up happening was around this time, there was a family that came in 
and I think it was the mom and a couple kids, and there was a boy who was maybe 11, 12 years old, something like that, and they had like some Disney game on the Xbox 360. So he, uh, they brought it in, and the, the mom was asking, she's like, yeah, do you guys fix up discs? And it was my manager who was working, and he said, yeah, we do, we're not fixing anything right now, but what's going on? And she said, oh, well, we have this disc right here, this Disney game, go ahead, show him. So the kid takes out the game, shows him, and he's like, yeah, uh, we have this disc right here, and, you know, it got messed up. It got scratched. I don't remember what exactly was going on, but they said, you know, it was scratched. We were told to come over here and get this fixed up. So they said, well, they as in my manager had said, oh, well, yeah, we we can certainly fix this, um, but we don't have the resurfacer working right now. Um, it's going to be about another week until this is available. So we, sorry, we can't fix this for another week. And the mom just got really annoyed with that. She's like, are you serious? You can't fix this? He was like, well, ma'am, we can. It's just, we don't, our, our machine to do it is broken right now. Uh, if you wait a week or if you want to leave the disc with us, um, we can contact you once this is available and we'll be able to get this fixed up. And she was saying, well, GameStop sent me over here. And he said, my manager said, okay, I understand. Um, we, we can't do anything, though. You, I mean, if you really want this done tonight, you can go over to our other store and they'd be able to fix it for you uh, because their disk machine is working. Ours is broken right now. We're not going to have any availability for another week or so. And... She was just, she was not having this. I, I guess the appropriate term would be Karen at this point. And she didn't ask to speak to the manager because she already was. <laughs> but she just got so flustered and she said two or three more times, she said, well, GameStop sent me over here. GameStop sent me over here. And at that point, my manager, like he, you know, he had been smiling that whole time. I literally saw, like, at, at one point, you know, he had boxed up the case, he boxed, boxed up the game in the case, he put it on the counter, he gave it to her, he was smiling, and she said, well, GameStop sent me here, and his smile just dropped, and at that point, he said, we're not affiliated with GameStop, we're not a part of GameStop, I'm sorry, I don't know why they sent you over here, <laughs> and she was just standing there, she's like, well, what are we supposed to do, he said, like I told you, um, you can leave the disc with us and we can contact you once it's repaired. And at that point, you can come and pick it up and pay us and we'll give the disc back to you. Otherwise, you need to come in here in a week when this is available. And I kind of roughly remember this, but at one point, I think I had asked, I was just kind of a standby person and I asked if I could look at the disc. So they showed me. And I think it was one of those circular scratches on the Xbox 360. And I explained it to them. I said, yes, this is really common on 360. If you move the console at all while the game is being moved, you can get a circular scratch on here. These guys can fix it. But as my manager here is explaining, the machine won't be available. But once it is, I can guarantee this will fix the, your issue. So I think at that point, it's starting to come back to me. She even talked with her son about like, did you move the Xbox? Did you move the Xbox? And of course he's saying, no, he didn't. And I was just standing there. I was looking at the disc and I said, no, this is like, ma'am, look at this. This is a perfectly circular scratch here. This is caused by a defect on the Xbox 360's DVD drive, which will only happen when you're moving the console around while the disc is moving. You can prevent this in the future by installing the game to your hard drive, um, but I'm just telling you this is how this scratch showed up on the disc. The game was running while the console moved. So... 
Push comes to shove there. I think they were just grumbling a little bit, and then they decided to leave the disc here. So, uh, you know, my manager took down their information, he took the game from them, and over a week later, you know, the machine came in. Eventually, when they got to that disc, they ended up repairing it. And then they ended up repairing it. Uh, they contacted the people. The people came in. They picked up the game. And it was like a day or two later. And I was in the shop when, when they came in the second time. The kid comes in. It was only the kid this time around. And he comes in the exact same Disney game. And he brings it up to the counter, and, you know, my manager asks, how's it going, how's it going, you know, what have you on there. And he said, yeah, um, we got this disc fixed from you all, and it doesn't work. And my manager looked really puzzled. He's like, what, what do you mean? He's like, oh, yeah, well, the disc is really scratched. And my manager's like, no. No, we fixed it. I remember this clearly. We fixed it. So he took, he, he took the case back, he took out the disc, and the disc had all these scratches on it. And it was not the circular scratch anymore. And also with the liquid that was on there, you can tell because it was it was kind of like a, a white, a thick white liquid that would be used in the resurfacing machine. And on the inside, on, on the inner circle of a disc, it would leave a little bit of residue there. So there'd be like some small amount of white stuff that'd be there. And you could always tell if a disc was resurfaced because it had that because it would be dried up. So he could very clearly tell this disc was resurfaced before. He remembered it, of course, because it was like two days prior, one or two days prior. And he said he was like, he, he just straight up told the kid, he said, we did not put these scratches on here. Uh, we repaired this disc. It was in perfectly working shape. These scratches were not on the disc after we repaired it. And the kid said, well, it, it got scratched. And he said, yes, it got scratched. It must have gotten scratched after we gave it back to you. Because we didn't put those scratches on the disc. We removed them. Do you remember? And the kid was like, well, yeah, but they got, I mean, the, this, the, but the scratches are there. And my manager, you know, he, he decided to do them a solid. I think it was kind of out of annoyance and, you know, what have you. It was kind of bordering somewhere between annoyed and generous. But my manager, you know, he just, he took the disc. He took it to the back. He popped it in the resurfacer spent two or three minutes on it, it removed all those scratches just fine. We were supposed to charge them a second time, but for whatever reason, my manager decided not to charge them. So the mom came in at that point, right as the disc was finished, you know, getting fixed up, and my manager was putting it back in, and the mom asked about it, and the manager said, yeah, no, we, uh, we fixed that game for you, we removed the scratches, we did remove them a second time. But we're not going to do this again. Like, if you want to do it again a third time, you will have to pay for it. So this is the only freebie you're going to get out of this. And they said, oh, okay, well, the scratches are removed. And my manager said, yes, the scratches have been removed. They said, okay, thanks. So he gave it to the kid. And within two seconds, the mom didn't even trust the kid. I think she knew what was going on. But the mom says, no, no, nope, you're not going to be touching that. Give it to me. And she snatches the case right out of his hand. And he's looking, you know, all worried and perturbed about it. And they walked out of there. So, I mean, they ended up getting a, a free resurfacing out of it, which was nice. Just take care of your discs, people. Don't be lying to, you know, <laughs> any of these places. But yeah, I, I thought that was... That was one of those entertaining things. Just someone trying to finesse a disc resurfacing out of there. They were just being real weird about it at the beginning. And then, again, they we all know what happened, all right? 
they took that disc home, the kid didn't take care of the disc, it got scratched up, it became unreadable again, and he didn't want to admit it. But that's exactly what happened. So, uh, that didn't really happen all that often. In fact, that's the only time I can ever remember that happening. Surprisingly, the, this was really not abused, you know? It really wasn't. Um, yeah, I think maybe the, the only other time I could think of that was somewhat close to that, uh, and I guess this would be a very, very quick story here, we did have somebody at one point who, because our policy was uh, we are only going to exchange defective items uh, within 30 days, credit only for the same item. Uh, sometimes we could only, we could do credit as well if we don't have that item in stock, like if it was a certain game. But I think at one point there was a guy who bought a PS2 from us, and maybe the only other finesse like this we saw was like, this guy bought a PS2, he bought a few games. Then he came back and said they're not working. So we gave him credit, he got like one or two other games. And he came back and said they weren't working. And at that point, my manager said, we're not going to exchange these for you. You need to go home, bring the whole console back. I remember you, so you don't need the receipt for the console. It's fine, but please bring the console back. Because you just brought me these three games and said they're not working. And now you brought me two more and said they're not working. There's nothing wrong with the discs. There's something wrong with the console. So here's your game back. Here's your two games back. If you bring back the console that you bought from us, we will exchange the system for you for a working one. But it sounds like there's something wrong. And he said, oh, oh, okay, yep, I totally understand. And he left, and what do you know, he never came back. He was just trying to, you know, do a GameStop rental, is what I like to call it. For anyone that doesn't know, that's GameStop is very forgiving. With with their thing, you can return anything within, like, any games within seven days. So GameStop rental is just, you pay for a game within six or seven days, you bring it back for a refund, you get something else. That's what he was trying to do. We didn't indulge that. So, Yeah. So I guess kind of wrapping this up here, there's one last thing I really want to talk about, and it's going to kind of going to be overall in this topic here. And this is, you know, what games I've been playing. And I'm sure you all can tell from the title one thing I've obviously been playing. But out of the games I've regularly been playing, I did talk about Ring Fit Adventure. So that's one of those games. I've I've, I've been having a lot of fun playing Ring Fit Adventure. Uh, oh my god, that thing is a workout. That thing is no joke. Do not laugh at Ring Fit Adventure, man, until you actually give it a real shot. That game, oh my god, I was, you know, there were one or two times I was getting emotional playing that game. Like, goddamn, this dragon, all right? Because Dragao, that's the, the main boss you're trying to beat. And oh my god, his, his, his workouts, like when you're fighting him, are real difficult. I've had to redo some of them and, you know, level up my character and such. But it's been absolutely invaluable you know, having access to that. Uh, I did pick up Animal Crossing. I got it the day after it came out because it got a little bit delayed. And this is one of those games where, look, I've never really been good at games where you just have no objective. But Animal Crossing I've been okay with because there's little things that you can do every day. And I have been playing it a little less because of Final Fantasy VII. But Animal Crossing has been... It, it, it's been fun. It's been relaxing. I think it came out at, at the right time. Uh, it came out when people just needed an escape and just an opportunity to, you know, have fun with on their island with their little virtual friends and do nothing for the most part. And I, I've only put about 15 hours or so into it, but, you know, that's a lot more than I would normally do for a game where I'm not really doing much in there. So 
that's the game that I've been playing in regards to that. I also decided to replay Coffee Talk, which is a visual novel type game that takes place in Seattle, and you own a coffee shop that is open in the evenings called Coffee Talk, and you're dealing with a whole bunch of people, listening to them, trying to give advice, what have you on there, and it's one of those games where you're supposed to go through it multiple times, so I beat it once this year already, I absolutely loved it, I think I talked about it in one of the earlier episodes, and for whatever reason, I felt like picking it up again. It's only about a four or five hour game, so I picked it up again, I was playing through it, and I burned through it within a few days. And the second playthrough, I wasn't as crazy about. Like, I enjoyed the game. The thing is, you know, they hint at the end. They pretty much say, hey, there's more stuff that you can do. You should go through the game again. So I went through the game a second time. There were some different, you know, options and such. And Well, not really options, but different, like, dialogue that came up and some other things. But then the same thing happens. That, that's my issue with it. It's not really all that different. And then when you beat the game, they say, hey... There's some other stuff that you might see. You should go through the game again. So I don't know. I think I just need to look it up and see how many times I need to go through the game on the same save to unlock everything to, you know, 100% it, so to speak. But yeah, that'll be it, I guess. Now, the next game I want to talk about, which I, I don't know how long I'm going to talk about this for. I mean, we're over the one hour mark at this point. And, and I left this to the very end uh, simply because... I wanted to, look, if you don't want this game spoiled, which I understand, um, you know, tune out at this point. It's all good. Thank you very much for listening, watching, all that fun stuff. Really appreciate you. But if you tune out at this point after an hour and, you know, you've given me an hour of your time, I really appreciate that. And if you don't want to ruin Final Fantasy VII Remake, totally fine, because I'm going to be talking all about this and from the perspective of someone who has completed it. So let's get into this. Let's get into this, right? Final Fantasy VII Remake. Oh man, so this has been the game, the game I have been waiting for this year. Uh, when I played the demo, oh my god, that was a mistake. I played the demo, that absolutely ruined me. Because it was, the game wasn't going to come out for about another month or so, and the problem was, every single other game I played after the Final Fantasy VII Remake demo came out felt like something was missing because none of them were Final Fantasy VII Remake. I absolutely loved the demo. I, I I was just taken aback by it completely. How it looked, how it played, how everything was on there. I played through it multiple times. I tried all the modes on there. Um, I talked with friends about it, of course, and I absolutely loved it. And what really helped out, too, was at the very beginning of this year, I actually played through... Final Fantasy 7, like the original one. I was playing it on Switch. Technically, I started at the end of the year. I started it in December, and it was January 1st of this year I finished it. But it was nice because I still had that fresh in my mind. So I'm one of those people where I can truly say I think Final Fantasy 7 holds up real well, and I was able to still have a fresh reference point in my mind so I could play the demo. And I thought the demo was perfect. I, I thought it was a perfect adaption. It was exactly what I was expecting. Now, if you've played the demo and you have not played Final Fantasy VII Remake, you're still in for a surprise because the first chapter, the, the demo is just chapter one of the game. And much like Final Fantasy XV, the game is split up into chapters. But there's two more additions 
in chap in the first chapter um just in the form of cutscenes. there's two cutscenes that are in the final retail build of the game in chapter one that are not in the demo i thought that was great because there are people like me who played through the demo multiple times i wasn't expecting to be surprised or wowed uh when i played the chat like the first chapter on the retail game itself and i was absolutely wowed by it still I'm just trying, kind of trying to collect my thoughts on here because I, I have a lot on this. But I played through it. The game is, I believe it was 18 chapters in length, something like that. And right off the bat, I will say one thing that I found disingenuous is anybody who is not in the know will not realize that this is not the complete Final Fantasy VII experience. Um, the game is called Final Fantasy VII Remake. On the cover, there's no hint of it being a part one but hold on let me actually i just i just stepped away a little bit because i had to grab the physical case here but i'm going to describe this as best i can so if you have the physical copy of the game if you look on the back it has sephiroth it has Aerith, cloud barrett tifa all these great characters, right? And at the top it says, The legend returns for all generations. What begins as a rebellion against an evil corporation becomes much more. And what erupts goes beyond imagination. And at the bottom it says, The story of this first standalone game in the Final Fantasy VII Remake project covers up to the party's escape from Midgar and goes deeper into the events occurring in the city than the original Final Fantasy VII. Uh, so all that is accurate, but what I mean by that is, if you are somebody who you really haven't paid attention, you've kind of, you might have seen maybe a trailer or two, and you haven't been really in the know, you're probably going to pick this game up thinking that it's the entirety of Final Fantasy VII. And it's not. It is a huge deep dive into Midgar. And the disappointing thing with it is, um, with just that part, is, and I've been wanting to say this for a while, <laughs> um, the game only gets better. The original game, it only gets better after Midgar. Like, hanging out in Midgar, doing all that, cool, that's awesome. And even the developers, because I'd seen, you know, kind of a did you know in regards to this, but even some of the main developers of this game, they actually looked at playthroughs of the original game when they started doing the remake because they just wanted to see how other people were playing through the game and they saw that people left midgar within 10 hours and if you played the original game like the one on p on the playstation it's three discs and the third disc i mean there's a bunch of bonus stuff on there look it might be a little controversial for me to say disc one you leave midgar yes that's accurate within 10 hours you can leave midgar and disc one leaves when Aerith is killed so you're already out of the world. You're you're doing all this other stuff way out in you know the outer world and such and running amok and doing whatever the hell you want to on there. Aerith dies, disc one concludes, you go on to disc two. Disc two will take you up until the point of the final boss fight. And then when you switch over to disc three, you can either do what I did and just go straight into the final boss, or there's a whole bunch of other side stuff that you can do. So what I'm saying is, in the original Final Fantasy VII, a large, a vast majority of the game does not take place within Midgar. So that's kind of where I was a little bit iffy going into this, and 
I, I will kind of shine that as a negative towards the game in regards, in regards to the marketing, in regards to how it's advertised, in regards to how it's shown to people. There are going to be plenty of people who will buy this game who will expect the full Final Fantasy VII experience and will be absolutely gutted when they beat the game right at the point where they're leaving Midgar. <laughs> um, but no, let's, that's kind of one of the more negative things out of the way. I just didn't like how that was portrayed, unfortunately, how it was really pushed as... It, it, there was no hint of this really being a part one unless you really knew about it. And it was kind of one of those things like, hey, Final Fantasy VII Remake, it's, it's part one. But Final Fantasy VII Remake, that's that's how it felt to me the whole time. Now, going through this, I won't say that the whole, you know, really focusing on Midgar was anything bad. I actually thought it was, I was in support of this, all right? Even when it was first announced, it was shown to be a action RPG. It was going to be a whole different take on this. It was going to zoom in more into Midgar and such. I thought that was really cool. I said, you know what? I'm going to be very positive. I'm going to be open about this. I think this is a real cool take on this. I think this is going to be great to look at. And it really was. Um, putting it bluntly, this, this is one of the best games I've ever played. It really is. I think it does the original justice. And this is coming from someone who quite recently played through the original again. But I think it does the original justice. I think if you're wanting a different perspective and a different look at it, it is really awesome going through the remake on here. If you're one of those people who you still want to stick with the original and you just want a higher fidelity, like I've been saying for years, get a hold of the PC version, mod the hell out of it. And that's your remastered version for a lot cheaper and probably more fun to set up. You know, there's plenty of projects out there that will do it. But if you're wanting a, a new take, a new style of play on there, because you are not going to get anywhere close to, you know, the, uh, the, the in-depth turn-based style that you got it's still like the game will try and tell you the remake is going to try and tell you yeah you can pick classic mode to get you know that classic feel no i tried classic mode it's just you're still able to select options and it slows down the game dramatically when you're in those menus and selecting what you want to do next but if you're somebody who you just straight up want a turn-based rpg this is not going to be the game for you you need to go into this realizing Regardless of what you want, this is a action RPG. The gameplay I notice can be as complex or as simple as you want. By simple, I mean you can just spam the square button and, you know, get by just fine. Or complex as in you can be switching between all the different characters and, you know, building up your gauges and, you know, picking your abilities and choosing what you want to on there. Which I really enjoyed. Playing through and shuffling through all the characters was an absolute blast. And I really loved doing that. I really loved all the expansions on the characters that I had seen. You know, kind of the in-depth look at everyone. Um, Biggs, I wanted to know more about. But, you know, Wedge, you get to see him a lot more. Just, you know, a fun-loving guy who loves food. They, they make that very obvious. The dude loves food. He's fat and he loves food. He's fat and he loves food. They really had to push that there. And then... Jesse is just completely thirsting after Cloud, something we really did not see to that, that extent on the original. But it was all great. I still really enjoyed seeing all of it. And even going into Sector 7, like this is where everything was really, you know, kind of coming together for me. Uh, once you come back, you're going into Sector 7th, you see 7th Heaven, you're seeing all this. 
it was really cool just seeing, you know, how everybody lived, how everything was set up on there, and seeing a fully fleshed out world. Jumping ahead a little bit, I think maybe one of my, probably my favorite section, and just kind of a look at everything, is at one point when you are with Tifa and Barrett, you're on, because, you know, technically there's the, you know, a above the plate of Midgar, and there's everything below, the slums. And at one point, you are directly underneath. So you are hanging at the bottom of the plate, and you're going from place to place. And it was so cool going through that and really connecting it and getting an experience of, wow, this is what all the slums look like underneath. And they have artificial lighting here in the form of these lights. This just looks absolutely awful. And this is how the slums are being treated here. And I think that was just so eye-opening and jarring for the story itself and really just the environment and really got me in there. One of the downsides to this with just hyper-focusing on Midgar, though, is that you do get a decent amount of filler. Let's be honest, you get a lot of filler. Um, as somebody who really... I, I love Final Fantasy VII. I really enjoyed it. Um... But I'm going to admit, you know, this game does have a lot of filler. For example, when you are going through, not the train graveyard, that's a whole other thing, but before the train graveyard, when you're going through, you know, the subway system and such, and there's, you know, that um, that claw hand there, there's now a whole game out of that. There's a whole section there. So in the original game, that took, you know, a few minutes to get through. In the remake, that takes like 20, 30 minutes to get through. The train graveyard has its own giant chapter dedicated to it, which shows stuff that we've never seen before. And I, I guess even getting near the end game, it didn't really do it as much justice for me. Because um, it was especially like going into Shinra headquarters was really cool. Um, maybe one of my favorite parts, another one of my favorite parts in game was, and just like the little levels of detail, I thought was absolutely phenomenal. So at one point, you know, when you're in Shinra headquarters, you can either take the elevator to get up to the 59th floor or you take the stairs. Because I'm a masochist, I decide to take the stairs. And it's so cool because... Not only it's it's really funny just hearing all the conversation and the fighting between all of them, but you're with Tiva and Barrett, you're going up the stairs, and at first you know you're cloud, you're running, you're running, you're running, and then you're jogging, and then ten more flights of stairs later, you're, you know, kind of fast walking, and then you're walking, and if you've ever run a ton, like if you've ever run a few miles, or if you've ever gotten in such an intense workout where it fucks up your hearing for a little bit, like everything just kind of feel, it sounds and feels a little bit muffled, they did that in the game itself too. The music starts to get muffled and everything starts to, you know, just mess up a little bit as if you're having that issue. And you know, by the end when you're on floor 56, 57, trying to get up to 59, Cloud is just barely moving at that point. The, that section took about 10 minutes to get through, but I absolutely loved that just because not only it was funny hearing all the conversation between everyone, but I feel like the game made you do a really good job. Uh, it, it conveyed in a great way how tired and how sore everyone was. And on top of that, it really conveys the player, hey, you messed up. You're the one who decided to make the dumb mistake of taking all these flights of stairs, so now you get to pay for it by giving us about 10 or 15 minutes of your time. <laughs> so that was great, but 
I guess my only qualms about it were, you know, near the end there in regards to, you know, the filler content and such, it was specifically chapters 17 and 18. Chapter 17, you're really, you know, you're getting through a lot of stuff. You have to fight a ton of monsters to gather data for Hojo. And I felt like that section went on for way too long. That was one of those parts where I was like, okay, I can start calling this filler fantasy. Like, just getting through, changing your party members, doing all this stuff. Like, technically it was cool, but I said, you know, this is kind of going on for a little too long. And then chapter 18, which is the final bit on there, uh, completely different ending. You know, of course, Tifa and them, they're in the little tiny crappy truck. You get your motorcycle. That part is real cool. And then afterwards, you have a few boss fights, and it's like these shadow-type bosses. And I was just like, okay, this is just straight out of Kingdom Hearts. Like, they quite literally lifted, it feels like they lifted a boss out of Kingdom Hearts and dropped it in here. I thought that was kind of silly. And then for the very last boss, you're fighting Sephiroth. Of course, it's, it's, it is and it isn't Sephiroth. <laughs> but I just sat there and I was like, are you, no, are you serious? No, like, why, why am I fighting Sephiroth? <laughs> So there's that, and the the game very much ends on a bit of a thud. There's really not much of a climax to the ending there, and I don't think there was too much else that they could do, because they want it to be a complete game and experience, but they also want there to be a cliffhanger. And on top of that, when you play through the original game, there's, there's really no climactic moment with leaving Midgard. If anything, the climactic moment is, you know, when you are on the motorcycle, and you're leaving Shinra HQ. And then after that, that's when you decide to leave to the world map and you're getting out of Midgar. And it is what it is. The rest of the game continues. At this point, they had to cut an entire game at that part. So I understand that it was difficult to really wrap that up in a good way there. Um, but you know, that was just kind of part of the original writing. The original writing was, hey, we're leaving Midgar. Hooray, let's continue the rest of the game. For this one, the remake, it's, hey, you're leaving Midgar, the end. <laughs> there, there's nothing really climactic about that, unfortunately. I think they tried to do it with the bosses, but it didn't really itch that. For, it didn't really scratch that itch, so to speak. So I guess those were more of the negative things I had about it, but the positives on here were, first of all, this, was, this is one of the greatest looking games I've ever seen, alright? The models looked absolutely astounding. Uh, there were so many times I was just, I was zooming into their faces and such and really just seeing, you know, the mouth movements and how everything was synced up and it was absolutely incredible. Most of the cutscenes, not all of them, but most of them were also rendered in the in-game engine, which absolutely shocked me. Absolutely shocked me and blew me away. And this game overall was really beautiful. There, there were a lot of times where there were certain textures like the, the infamous like door to clouds room for example there were certain textures that were really low quality and i'm not really sure why they didn't update those or even you know some things in Aerith's garden where you're seeing some of the most detailed character models ever made next to like sludge but even that really didn't ruin my enjoyment of the game by any means having all the what is it all the side quests i did as many side quests as i could for my playthrough, you can't get all of them on one playthrough, but you can get most of them. So I did as many side quests as I could, and there's about three rounds of side quests you get. And the first ones, they're in, you know, Sector 7. And 
I think they really vastly, you know, get you into the game. They they really get you into the world. They tie you in there. I think those are real cool. The next ones are, of course, at the Wall Market. And seeing Wall Market living through that, that was absolutely phenomenal. And I, I just wanted to stay there. I guess my issue was with the third round of um, of side missions. And these were right before you jump the wall to get to, you know, all the other spots, and, you know, you're continuing on to Shinra HQ and such. These side missions, the last, the, like, the last leg of them, I wasn't really crazy about. Those ones are just straight up, um, how do I say? Those are just straight up fetch quests. Nothing more, nothing less. They're really not that entertaining. Even when you finish them, you don't really get a sense of pride or accomplishment or what have you, at least in my opinion. Uh, that was actually the first time in the game, I kind of tapped out at that point. Uh, you see, I wanted to go all into this. So I would say 90% of the game, I was downstairs, lights off, my phone was put away, my phone was out of arm's reach, I could not touch it. I, the only thing, and this is the first game I've really done this within so, so long, the only thing I was doing and paying attention to is Final Fantasy VII. I didn't have any other videos, no music playing on the side, nothing. Uh, my brain was just completely tied to Final Fantasy VII Remake. But when these side quests came along, at that point I said, mm, you know what, I think I'm going to have YouTube running on the side. I think I'm going to have some music running on the side. I'm going to turn my brain capacity to about 50% for this. So I'm just going to be, you know, running, doing these side quests and such, and, you know, kind of just knocking these out as chores. And then I'll continue on. And that's exactly what I did there. I did it for those side quests, uh, that last, you know, third round of them. And I also did the same thing for, this was only about 30 minutes, but uh, at one point there were a bunch of little training simulators that you could do within Shinra. And I just said, you know what, these are just, you know, you you pick one, you have five rounds, you just fight and kill off a bunch of enemies. I don't really have to pay attention to this. Aside from that, so there was only about three hours of the game where I split my attention, but the rest of it was 100% on the game itself. So yeah, I'd say about 90% actually the math works out there pretty well because the game took me just under 31 hours to finish uh which surprised me on there I guess I was expecting I had seen people who it was taking them like 40 50 hours and I think they might be like one of my friends who one of my friends he was going so slow at the game and it's because he said he was just walking everywhere taking in the scenery looking at everything so I think if you're really doing that you can certainly stretch the game out Um, I'm going to be doing some New Game Plus stuff, so I can foresee myself in the future playing it again, you know, from start to finish. Uh, Without a doubt, definitely before Part 2 comes out, I will probably do that. Probably just, you know, pick it up, play it again. Um, But at least, you know, for for, for this time around here, I am going to reload my save and, you know, get some of the... do some trophy hunting, get some of the last uh, side quests and all that, because this is also one of the first games in years where I was actually trying to gun after trophies and trying to gun after um achievements doesn't count here because they're not achievements but trophies really that's I I really don't do that anymore but I wanted to do it for this game because they're actually pretty fun to get so yeah it was it was really enjoyable at least doing all that but I I I guess one of the one of the big things for me too was I had several emotional moments playing this game. And it's because not only like I love Final Fantasy VII, 
really into that game. Absolutely love that game. One of my favorites, you know, out there. Um, but it was just the sense of, I couldn't believe this was finally playable. I kind of had a little bit of a moment when I first played the demo. Like when I first fired it up, as soon as it got in game, I was just moving the character around for two, like not moving the, I was moving the camera around for two minutes or so. Uh, just in disbelief that the game was actually in a playable state and in front of me, and I was able to use my controller to play the game. I had about the same thing here, but I think maybe one of the times that really peaked for me was, you know, the first day especially, like the first day, the first night I had, I played about four or five hours of the game. And I was just getting choked up at certain points, you know, just seeing seeing the environment, seeing this all fleshed out, really getting into everything here. And, you know, meeting all the characters and just seeing everything unfold. I was excited. I was happy. I was choked up all this stuff. I, I think maybe the, the peak moment for me was, it was the second day I was playing. And that's because it was on a Saturday. It was at the point where you end up, you're, you're cloud, of course, and you crash into the church and you wake up and see Aerith. And that whole scene, just, you know, meeting Aerith officially there getting out and such and really just the, the whole church scene at the beginning where you know when you're just conversing with her and the music playing and such um no i'm not gonna lie i cried when that happened like it just it hit me it was just a wave of emotions and i just you know my character was standing there i just cried for a few minutes because it was just it was overwhelming for me i have no other way to describe it, it was just absolutely overwhelming there and it was because the delivery of the scene was just so beautifully done that it just it hit me like that so i i have a feeling that's been happening with a lot of other people as well too one of my friends again who's you know getting all he was you know slowly going through it he was saying you know about the same thing with him as well too he was getting emotional at so many different moments in the game and there's not even anything that is super super sad in this you know because in the original game i mean yes there are you know like jesse ends up dying and such on uh in the original um but it's one of those things you know the avalanche members they're there and then they're not and i really like that they're a lot more fleshed out in this game i absolutely love that but in the original i think the only time i really got emotional was straight up when Aerith had died um, and that actually surprised me. I was like, yeah, I know what's going to happen. I know, I know. But it's just how it played out directly afterwards is how it affected me. And it was, you know, in the original there, and it, it shows a lot with the characters well, too. You're playing as Cloud for all these hours, and he's just kind of blasé about everything. He has Aerith all over him, and he's just blasé about everything in regards to this. He's kind of just this mostly silent protagonist there. And then when Aerith dies, it's at that point, you know, it really hits him and he realizes he's experiencing longing. He had some kind of feelings for this woman and he doesn't know how to emote his grief at that point. He just, he simply doesn't know. And it's real heartbreaking because, I mean, I've seen people like this as well too. They just don't know how to emote when a loved one has passed away. And I think they conveyed it really well in the original game. Here on the remake, they really fleshed out Cloud a lot more, and I think they were able to, with the technology and such we have, and with all the delivery, they were able to show, yeah, he's he's not as quiet, they, they did have him talk a lot more, but they were able to show, this, this is a broken man, there's something with him emotionally that just isn't fully there, and even to the point where he doesn't know how to high-five 
So he's learning how to high five. That's actually where, you know, the, the part with going through, not the not the train, the train section, that's it. Going through there, you really get to see that. And I absolutely loved fleshing out and really going through all these with a microscope. With Yes, there was, there was more filler in this game. And for the most part, I would say it wasn't bad. Like, I wasn't really disappointed with the filler content until near the end of the game. And again, at that point, it's like, well, I've put 25 hours into this game. I'm going to finish it here in a few hours. So it's not like this entire game is wasting my time here. Plus, at this point now, I mean, I'm sure it's going to change, you know, <laughs> later on. But at this point now, um, you know, with all the coronavirus COVID-19 stuff, like, what else do I have to do <laughs> in my off time? What else do I have? I, I don't have anything else going on there. So I've... I've absolutely loved it. Um, again, it took me about 31 hours or so. And I can foresee myself playing through it again. Um, I mean, we will have to. We better be able to. I mean, this this wouldn't make sense either way. Um, but we better be able to bring our save over to part two of this game. I can foresee part two coming out within the next two or three years or so. I also, I have a little bit of a feeling, I think they might also bring it out on ps4 just to capture that audience of if there's anybody who's lagging behind who doesn't have a playstation 5 you know they can pick this up and still play it on ps4 it's going to be lower fidelity but they'll be able to play it because i i know since there's a whole second part to this game that's coming out and that's the other thing i, I keep saying that this game is not going to be split up into three parts thankfully it's split up into two the first part we already have it's midgar and part two is going to be everything else. So that's, at least I'm happy with that. It's not going to be, you know, part one, part two, part three, not even a part four. It's just two parts on there. It's split up into half, even though it's not, it's not an accurate half is what I'll say. Again, so much more of the original game is outside of Midgar. But either way, I have a feeling, you know, we might still get a PS4 copy of this just because I know they're developing it right now. All right. It's not like, because the game is not done yet. It's not like they just released, you know, the first part and they said, cool, that's it. We can take a break. We're done. It's like, no, you still have a whole other part of the game. Many, many parts to work on there. So I know they're developing it. I have a feeling they're not just doing the development on PS5. They're probably doing it all on PS4 and they'll, you know, kind of scale it up to PS5. So at that point, they're kind of going to have this thing where they'll say, hey, well, you know, it's not going to cost us all too much to also press it onto the PS4. We have so much development of it on PS4. We might as well just release it there as well, too. I don't think it'd be super crazy to do that. I I do know one thing that is on there. When you get the game, there is a little sticker that shows that it is a PS4 exclusive for at minimum a year. So that means that, you know, it's going to be exclusive until April 2021. And then I kind of want to talk about what I think is going to happen next on this. This is what I can predict will happen with this. I think right now, April 2020, we got Final Fantasy VII Remake. It's only on the PS4. That's all good. I have a feeling in a year, it's not like one year comes and ding, we're going to have it on everything else. No, I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's going to be a staggered release. I have a feeling that at that point, you know, the PlayStation 5 will be out. I have a feeling shortly after that, they will probably have a retooled version of it on PlayStation 5. Uh, this game, I played on PS4 Pro, and even though it looks absolutely beautiful and astounding, uh, it does not run at native 4K. 
So I feel like that's what the PlayStation 5 version would be, kind of a Final Fantasy VII Part One remake remaster, so to speak, where I'd predict they would have options to play it in native 4K, they would have an option to play it at 60 frames per second. I don't think there's going to be any downloadable content on this game, at least story downloadable content, because how the hell are you going to do that? The rest of the downloadable content like story-wise at least, I'm not talking about, you know, like summons or weapons or what have you. Anything story-wise is going to come in the form of part two. So that's what I think is going to happen first. I think the exclusivity will stop with PS4 to move on to PS5. And we'll have like a reworked, retooled, remastered, so to speak, version that will give us, you know, higher fidelity options and such. Um, and they might pack in some more summons in there and what have you, but storyline wise i don't think they're going to pack in anything else i think after that once the ps5 has you know some shine on it they'll bring it over to the xbox series x and then they'll bring it over to pc um and i don't know if they'll do this you know shortly after at the same time or what have you but then i feel like whenever final fantasy 7 remake part 2 comes out they'll probably put that on PlayStation 5 first, and hopefully PS4. So they'll market it, do the same thing. They'll do it as a Sony exclusive. And they'll probably have, you know, a standalone version and then maybe a complete edition or something, which I guess at this point, I'm thinking their rollout would be after a year from now, they'll do the PS5, you know, retooled version, um, Xbox, PC versions at some point, and then when part two comes out, they'll probably sell part two as standalone and maybe like have a deluxe edition that has part one with part two. And then maybe after another year of PlayStation ex exclusivity on there, they'll release a complete edition on all platforms. So they'll have, you know, Final Fantasy seven, part one, part two, maybe some extra DLC on there, and it'll be available on Xbox, PS5 and PC. That's what I'm expecting, and I'm just kind of basing that off of some of the stuff I've seen Square Enix do with their other entries and games and such. And that's kind of one of the last things I want to talk about in regards to Final Fantasy VII. I think it's cool that, because uh, I know a lot of people are going to, you know, disagree with it being, you know, it's being segmented, having its own part and such. And I've been following the development of it, and I just have to say, look, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think it's cool that we did get, in my opinion, we got a full game worth of content right here. I'm very happy with it. I'm going to put more time into it. I can totally foresee myself playing through at minimum one more time, maybe even two more times. But I think we have a full game worth of content right here. And I think it's astounding that we were able to get this generation alone, which sometimes it just, I, I don't know, I hear people say this is the worst gaming generation, and, and then I look at stuff like this, and I'm like, how? We got, uh, like, The Last Guardian, which I've been waiting for for a while. We got The Last Guardian. It could have been better, but I loved it. Uh, we got Final Fantasy Versus 13 in the form of Final Fantasy 15. We got Kingdom Hearts 3. We now have Final Fantasy 7 Remake. We have all these games. Three of the four that I have mentioned have come from Square Enix. We have all these games that have been in development limbo for years, and we finally got them all in the same generation, which is mind-blowing to me. Now, Kingdom Hearts 3, I'm going to be honest. Look, I, 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 went back, I, I went back to play it here pretty recently because the DLC, it's okay. Right? It's okay. <laughs> like most of the reason why I liked it is because it was Kingdom Hearts 3. But when you look at it, you know, objectively, it's like, eh, you know, it's actually, it's an okay game. It could have been a lot better. 
Final Fantasy 15, I really have to give a fair chance. I wasn't very into it, so I dropped it pretty quickly. But I do know it was improved quite a bit. There was a lot of content that was added. There was also a lot of things they mishandled and a lot of content that was canceled as well, too. So I don't really know where it falls in there. It's kind of complete, kind of not, so to speak. <laughs> and Final Fantasy VII Remake, I have to say, this game is pretty close to perfect for me. Like, this part, standalone right here, I absolutely love it. And part of the development you have to realize with as well, too, is this is the game that the original came out in 1997. Square Enix, they were putting the idea of a remake or a remaster in people's heads way back in 2001. So people have been waiting 19 years for this kind of form of Final Fantasy VII. And back then, the announcement was Square Enix, or Squaresoft at the time, was going to take Final Fantasy VII, VIII, and IX and retool them and remaster them, so to speak, for the PS2. And then it just never came to fruition. And then the PlayStation 3. We got, you know, that we were teased so hard with that tech demo. And it was only a tech demo, nothing else. And people were begging that entire generation for Final Fantasy VII Remake. And we never got it. And it was finally announced in, 20, in 2015. We got beautiful E3. That was amazing. But we got Final Fantasy VII Remake was announced. And one thing a lot of people don't know about that is that original iteration of Final Fantasy VII Remake, that is not what we're playing right now. That's not what released now. That was actually in development by CyberConnect 2. And apparently they had missed several milestones and deadlines, and Square Enix kept looking at their work and was displeased with it. So they said, you know what? Y'all are fired. Give us all the assets, all the data. We're bringing development in-house. And then they looked at it and they said, all of this is kind of shit, actually. So we got to scrap this and start remaking the game. And that was about three years ago. So the current iteration of Final Fantasy VII Remake, it would be fair to say that it was in development for about three years. Now, was it fully scrapped? In my opinion, I don't think so. Like, you, you can't tell me the models weren't usable. Background assets weren't usable. But I think just for the most part, they had to kind of just retool the game and said, you know what, we're pretty much overhauling this to the point where we might as well just start from scratch. But I think they did take, you know, character assets and things and such. They were able to reuse at least something from CyberConnect 2's work. And you can really tell that from the game as well, too. I mean, yeah, there were, you know, certain, you know, textures and such that weren't the best. But the overall feeling I got from this game was so much love and care put into this. And you could just tell from the game, like, when playing it, the developers knew they could not fuck this up. They could not release a subpar product. And I think they decided to split this out as well, too, because they said, look, we're zooming into Midgar enough where we now have enough content to really make up one game. And look, do we want to release this in one part now? and then bring out part two a few years later? Or do we want everybody to wait for everything a few years down the road? And hell, maybe it might even be, I, I don't know, it, it might suffer a little bit as well too. Uh, maybe because, you know, some of the parts of the game might be so old by the time, you know, the rest of the game is done that they might have to go back and work on all that other stuff. And then, you know, it will kind of just go into a vicious cycle. So I think maybe they just, the, the studio just needed some time to say, hey, look, we go from start to Midgar. Here, we have one complete product. Now let's work on the second part here. And yes, people can bring over their, their saves and such. That should 
that should happen. <laughs> but I, I guess the, the point on there is even out of these, from, from Square Enix alone, out of the three projects we've been waiting for for so, so, so long, we got one that is really kick-ass, which is Final Fantasy VII Remake. And so far, this is my favorite game that has released that I've played this year. I absolutely love it. It's not perfect, mind you, but it's almost perfect to me. And again, it's one of the best games that I've ever played. So that's kind of just been my thoughts overall on this on Final Fantasy VII Remake. And one last thing, one last thing, you know, I'm here near the end. But uh, another big thing. So this game was actually, you know, delayed again. Um, it was supposed to come out early March. And then it decided, I think March 3rd was the first date that it was supposed to come out. And then it got delayed to April 10th. And I will say this. I am, after playing it, I'm fully in support of that. Because I was able to play this game from start to finish on the 1.0 patch. And can we just take a moment to realize how crazy it is that there is a game this big, from a, you know, a AAA game this big, to come out in 2020 to not have a day one patch? Can we just take a moment to respect that and realize how crazy that is? I played this on update 1.00, nothing there. So I know that they used those last, you know, that, that extra time, that extra five weeks of development time to really mitigate any type of need for a day one patch. And I think that really goes into the love of it as well. And I think they just said, look, we, we can either issue, you know, a okay game with, you know, some bugs and such and issue day one patch or just give us five more weeks and we'll be able to stomp this all out. And I'm really glad they went with that approach there. Because even playing it again, I played it on PS4 Pro, and it seemed to run just fine. You know, there were no crashes, there was no major performance issues on there. Uh, my fans did increase in speed, but it wasn't like going wild, what have you. It was just slightly elevated. But this is one of the most optimized games that I can remember playing in recent genera like in recent history on the PS4. It's absolutely astounding. So I think in that part, for, for a part one, they did everything right that they needed to. And really, it just kind of, uh, I think maybe my only negative parts were kind of near the end there. As I said, where I was like, you know, I'm really starting to feel the filler here. And the Sephiroth fight, this isn't when we're supposed to fight Sephiroth. But I guess because it's the end of this game, you have to put something in there. <laughs> oh, well. Oh, well. I, I love it. I absolutely love it. That's why I'm dedicating a whole segment to this, essentially. But yeah, man. Final Fantasy VII Remake, absolutely love it so far. I'd like to know what your th thoughts are on this. And, you know, let's go ahead and wrap this up here. Because I don't have anything else to say, but let's wrap this up. So if you've made it to the very end of Mario's Minute, I want to really thank you. Really much appreciate everything on this, all you all listening and such. I hope you all stay safe. I hope nobody's getting sick. If you are getting sick, I really hope that you're recovering as best you can. I hope it's not coronavirus. I hope it's not COVID-19. Everybody wash your hands. Everybody social distance. All that fun stuff. And if you're looking for a, a little bit of a content safe haven where I'm not going to be shoehorning coronavirus stuff into videos, you know, check out my other videos. You know, feel free to come to the channel. Hopefully that gives you a little bit of a escape there. Now we need a... Let's see... We, I'm really thinking, what should we use for the last word, for, for our keyword here? For anyone that doesn't know, I like to pick a keyword for 
the end for the end here and if you use this keyword in your youtube comment i will know that you made it to the end so if you're listening to this come over to the youtube upload to this on the mr mario 2011 channel and leave a comment how about the word resale r-e-s-a-l-e resale if you use the word resale in your comment i will know that you made it to the end of this episode anyways this is mr mario signing off thank you all for watching and listening everyone and until next time